The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey there. Welcome to Nick Pollock and Friends, where I talk to people I know and who you should know. Today's wonderful guest is Janice Scurrio of NBC Edge. Janice, oh, thank you so much for taking the time during your lunch break to meet with me today. Yeah, absolutely. I got got to make things work. So uh, <laughs> happy to talk to you, Nick, as always. Uh, so I, I, there's there's a lot of things I do want to talk to you about, but I really want, first and foremost, I want you to tell everybody what you do, where you do it, and you know, just all the wonderful things that you're a part of. Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that's currently on my plate right now. I am a national baseball columnist for NBC Sports Edge. Uh, I have two articles that come out a week. Uh, I do a Sunday, uh, sometimes Monday morning uh, wrap up of uh, the prior week. It's called The Week That Was. I essentially take the the biggest storylines from Major League Baseball, condense it into a nice little package, uh, throw in some important injury news. Uh, it definitely has kind of like a fantasy uh, taste to it. Uh, and also to, uh, I always try to try to liven things up and throw kind of like a fun story at the very end. So no, lately when it comes to like just fun, uplifting stories, I've been writing about Brett Phillips a lot. Uh, oh, but- of course. <laughs> But yeah, other than that, uh, I do have a article that comes out on Thursdays too, where I just recap uh, the Thursday in all of Major League Baseball. So essentially, I've got a big storyline. Uh, I pick out some uh, good pitching performances throughout the day. I pick out some good hitting performances too. Uh, so besides NBC, I'm still a contributor at Southside Sox. Uh, so I'm still writing about the White Sox. It's kind of how I started uh, getting in, into the industry. So I contribute there every now and then. And uh, most recently, too, I've been uh, contributing quite a bit to baseball perspectives. So I'm, I'm definitely just throwing like all of my stuff out there. Uh, there it is. I mean, that's great. I mean, it, it's it must be kind of hard to, uh, you know, contributing for so many different places. Also, this is your lunch break, which I assume is not one of them. Uh, either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I also do work of a uh, nine to five. Uh, I am an IT professional. Uh, I've only uh, been in the role I'm currently in for about three weeks. Oh, wow. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I, I wear many hats. Um, and also too, I, I forgot to mention my podcast as well. I, I have How my could you podcast. come on. Let's go. I know uh, my podcast partner is probably listening to this and being like Janice, what the heck? 
Uh, so uh, my podcast I run with my good friend, Sam Sherman. Uh, it's called Northside Sox. Uh, and essentially, uh, we talk about, you know, issues surrounding the White Sox, our thoughts and feelings about the team, its ownership, us, a lot of the cultural things that happen um, around the White Sox and baseball in general. Uh, we also get into uh, current events and uh, like a lot of social issues, lots of social justice issues. So it's a really cool uh, venue to kind of express those thoughts and feelings. Nice. All right. So yeah, look at that. All right. You have your hand in many pots, as you were mentioning. Uh, and I kind of want to hear where it all started. Uh, so I, I'm assuming, I'm assuming you grew up being a Chicago White Sox fan. I feel like that's a safe assumption. That is. Uh, is there, a, was there a certain person who got you into it specifically or one day where you're just like, no, 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 White Sox, they're my team. <laughs> Uh, just the more I think about it, I, I, I'm asked this question quite a bit and I'm just trying to just nail down my origin story. Uh, hmm. so from, from what I remember, from what I remember, I just turned the TV on, uh, by myself. I think I might've been like seven, uh it, uh, it was definitely before the 1994 strike. Uh, so I, I remember just turning the TV on and just watching, uh, uh, Frank Thomas, uh, Ozzie Guillen, Robin Ventura, Jack McDowell, right. like, right. like all those guys. Uh, I know a lot of people like like to give their parents credit for for or at least some sort of parental figure uh, credit. Sure, for yeah. them into baseball. I'd probably say my mom is like the closest mm. adjacent figure to that. Uh, my mom like has always been a White Sox fan, uh, and so uh, she's an immigrant. Uh, so especially one of the ways that she immersed herself to a lot of American culture was to watch baseball games, and so as a result, uh, to this day. Uh, a lot of her just canned, uh, just immediate reactions to things are uh, hawkisms, so the things that uh, the announcer uh, Ken Harrelson would say all the time. So right. she's always like ducks on the pond whenever the bases are loaded or she whenever there's like a, a pop fly, she'd be like, oh, you know, can of corn, you know, right there, you know, hang with them. Uh, you can cancel the post game show. Uh, so, 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 so she says all those things. So if you're, if you're wondering what kind of a cultural impact that Hawk Harrelson has had, like especially on, you know, the, uh, the immigrant population in Chicago. So th- there you go. It's a small sample size. but Well, it's, it's good to hear. I mean, it, it, Hawk Harrelson, of course, is just a legend to all of us. Um, I mean, there are three things to me that have really stuck with, with Hawk. It's you can put it on the board yeah, I mean, and then followed by a very emphatic. Yes. You know, yeah. And maybe a second one after two, which oh, yeah. the you other have one to replicate. I, exactly. And the other one that I neglected to mention was uh, he gone. I, I, I oh, think yeah. That's right. Probably. That's think number that, two. That, that, that's probably the catchphrase that I feel has permeated throughout most of American culture. Just sure, yeah. Because, like some, sometimes I'll, I'll just hear my friends who like don't even watch baseball or, you know, haven't seen a baseball game in years. Like if someone leaves, he'll just go, uh, he gone. And I'm like, what? where did you learn that? Like- <laughs> That's great. Uh, so what I used to have to do, um, I used to do the nastiest pitches all the time. And back in the day, how to find them was there was this whole uh, MLB highlight section that they've completely changed now. But they would uh, essentially showcase every strikeout from the home broadcast of a, of a pitcher. So <laughs> hearing Hawk say he gone on repeat for like a good 45 seconds is just now ingrained forever. Um, and the other one is with the Giants. Uh, uh, Miller would always say, got him, got him, got him. And like, it just, oh, I couldn't, I had to breeze through those because eventually it just gets numb in your head. But uh, the third thing with Hawk, 
right? So you got you got put it on the board. You got uh, he gone. Is his exasperated disappointment uh, with the team? You know, uh, this is BS. Yeah. I think probably like like one of my favorite just uh, like methods of frustration. Like especially if there's a bad call, like just, like this is BS. This is BS. And I mean, I know that there was one time he got so incredibly upset that like he just got up and walked away for a moment. And yep that that sounds right. That sounds exactly <laughs> right. I uh, now I mean I, I I'm lying here because there's a four thing and that's the will to win. Uh, uh, yeah. but you can't forget that one. Yeah. What's funny is that someone on White Sox Twitter actually uh, calculated a stat called the will to win. Is that right? W. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, I feel as if, oh my goodness, it's like one stat minus another stat. I want to say it's something like Babbitt minus war or something. I, I'm, I'm just completely just missing <laughs> the gun with it. But was- the point is that someone actually tried to calculate mm. the will to win. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> Did they uh, like maybe you could say sprint speed on outs or uh, or how hard you throw? I don't know, but uh, I, I'm also just curious, like how often you said it, like how what were the players that had the will to win? Oh my goodness! From what I remember, uh, I think uh, Danny Mendick had one of the highest wills wills to really? win. Uh, <laughs> which I mean, I don't I don't know if that holds true this season. Uh, but yeah, I think that's an interesting thing to explore. Uh, maybe something that could be the will to win is uh, hits on two strikes. Mm. Uh, crud, what else? Uh, say RBIs like after the sixth inning, something like that. I don't know. It's, there we go. Yeah. We, we should we should create the the uh, the will to win that we know actually doesn't. It's not how we should really probably assess players. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and, and and so going from Hawk, I mean, you got Jason Benetti, which you couldn't be luckier. Uh, to get Benetti, who I, I've said multiple times is my hero and one of just the best humans. You and me uh, both. You and me both. Uh, he, I think uh, it was you who said that he's like the, the Mr. Rogers of baseball. He is. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, Michael Ahedo uh, came to visit me last week. And I, like that, that came up in conversation, actually, where I'm just like, I'm pretty sure Nick Pollock called uh, – called jason benetti the mr rogers of baseball i just, I just want to, every morning i want to put on my socks with him you know mm-hmm. uh, that that's just uh, benetti is so wholesome i remember him talking about wanting a triples derby and i asked him what happens when he hit a home run and without missing a b so they lose a finger and just what jace that's uh, I, I love it i love it so much um just it's, it's such a joy to inside the booth not um blind like a lot of times you can see an announcer that is blind to what's going on in the field and understands the human aspect of of baseball and this whole thing that we share together so you could yeah. be lucky to have him uh and I, I want to i want to shift a little bit here so you're young you're like you're a white Sox fan and everything did you did you kind of see yourself going towards writing? I mean, it's not, you know, you're saying that you have a different nine to five job now, but was there this balance that you were having uh, as you were growing up? Oh my goodness. Uh, for starters, I, I've just always liked writing. Uh, so especially when I was growing up, I was I, I excelled mostly in my English classes, loved to write short stories, loved to write poems. Uh, like, like I, I really got into science fiction and fantasy, especially while, while I was in junior high. Like I, like, I was a big gamer, too. So a lot of the times, too, um, I, I, I did keep up with following baseball, too. Uh, I was also very big into basketball back then as well. 
Uh, but the whole thought about like writing about baseball, like really didn't seem to dawn on me, like maybe until a little after college, perhaps. So, uh, yeah, I, I actually did minor um, in journalism uh, when I was an undergrad, but my, the, the types of writing that I did was more so uh, crime, uh, police blotter, uh, uh, stuff like that, you know, uh, sort of um, I, I thought I was going to go more so on to like the legal, um, like criminal, uh, criminal justice side of, of, of writing. Uh, sure. And then I decided that uh, that's a really... Uh, just awful. Uh, the things that I ha- would have to report on on a regular yeah. basis w- w- definitely uh, it has a lasting impact on you. So definitely much respect to those who do that uh, to this day. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I do have to say that I probably didn't get into writing about baseball. There we go. My 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 friend is also going on lunch. <laughs> he just waved at me. <laughs> uh, so. I- I don't think I actually like say uh, thought that writing about baseball was a viable thing until like maybe late into my twenties. Uh, where uh, and I don't know, I, I'm not exactly sure why I, I, I thought that way. I think probably the main cause was that like at the time, uh, no one really looked like me. I really didn't know any women who worked in the industry. Uh, not that you know I was uh, thinking that. Oh well, no. I, in order for me to write, I, I need to have another woman there with me. That definitely wasn't the case. But I just didn't think that it was a possibility. Uh, sure. Yeah. According and also addition. In addition to that, uh, I was just thinking of what I had to say, and I didn't think I really had anything important or special to add to the conversation. And it definitely took uh, just being in the industry for a couple of months, even to uh, prove to myself that that wasn't true. That I mean, everyone definitely has a unique voice and a unique perspective to add to the game, and not only the game itself, but um, all of these other like moving parts, uh, all of these issues surrounding the game, and uh, and how we talk to one another too. Uh, so, yeah, anyone who's listening to this feels that uh, they don't have anything to add. That's that's a lie. Your brain is lying to you. you absolutely- there we go. I, I love that message. Uh, and there was a day for you that you, you had those questions and concerns. And one day you said, no, I'm going to do this. Do you remember what that was, what drove you to do it and what that first piece was? Yeah. So I was approached by uh, who uh, the editor of Southside Sox. Uh, his name is Brett Valentini. And he's uh, someone I had never met before in my entire life. I had no idea who this guy was. I was familiar with Southside Sox. Um, it, it's a pretty... Uh, then popular uh, forum uh, for White Sox fans. And so uh, I, he, I guess he saw me arguing with someone. Uh, he saw me arguing with a Royals fan uh, about bat flips of all things. Uh, Wait, yeah. so, and of course, we were saying, yeah. no, please bat flip all the time. This expression of joy is what baseball needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just briefly remembering that entire interaction. Uh, it, right. it was just complete nonsense. Uh, th- 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 this dude was obviously just picking on me uh, because because I was a woman. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Brett slid into my DMs and he's like, hey, uh, I really liked the fight you put up. I, I-, I thought sticking up for yourself and sticking up for Tim and sticking up for the White Sox was awesome. Uh, have you considered, you know, contributing to Southside Sox. And, uh, and first answer, knee-jerk reaction was like, uh, no. 
I've never considered that. Never before in my life. And it was probably until uh, so Brett emailed me. And I think I might have just mulled over the email for a good two weeks, uh, which is just like something I do. Uh, I, I think for like two weeks, I was like, I'll, I'll get back to him later. I'll get back to right, him. Right, right. Like whatever, whatever. And then uh, he followed up with me and is like, uh, hey, you know, you know I, I'm not one to, you know, wait by the phone here. But, you know, if this is something you really want to do, just let me know. And so, Throughout, throughout all that time, I had all this time to process like, all right, so I said all these things about the backflip and how an incredibly crucial and important it is just mainly because we have all these fuddy duddies throughout the game who get upset, you know, when people uh, display joy and like, I, isn't that what our game is supposed to be? It's supposed to be a game of joy. It's, like, it's supposed to be a game of celebration. Like, why are we gatekeeping that? And so through all that, all that time, I was thinking like, maybe I do have something to say. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, I do admit there was like plenty of trepidation, especially when I first started. Uh, but my first piece was actually a recap. Uh, mm. So I, I watched a game. Uh, essentially, I just uh, wrote down what happened. Uh, and this was maybe late 2018, if I remember correctly. So like, all right. Uh, it was very uh, rigid. Uh, I was really just reluctant to bring my own voice into it, uh, just mainly because like it was all uncharted territory for me. I really right, didn't yeah. know what was happening or what was going on. And so uh, Brett uh, just uh, DM'd me after my first piece. And he's like, like, you're, you're definitely holding yourself back. Just, just, just let go. Let go. Oh, that, that's a good editor. <laughs> Yeah, he's a fantastic editor, uh, for sure. And so, uh, yeah, and, and then that's exactly what I did. I uh, just kind of work, threw in puns, threw in all of these like external pop culture references. Uh, so Janice, you're saying all the things that I, I want to hear, you know, I oh, right. puns and, and random references. Get out of here. No way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, to, to this day, like it, it's definitely gotten just a lot, a lot better, a lot worse. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I make tons of like anime references, video game references. Uh, so little, little Easter eggs that I put into my writing, I, I, I guess you could say. But. That's fantastic. Um, I did actually, you, you just mentioned Tim Anderson Batflip and I have to know what your reaction was to the Field of Dreams game. Just, just really quickly. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> to give some brief backstory, uh, the White Sox have been very streaky in the sense that, yeah, they are a first place team. Uh, they've got a sizable margin uh, over um, over the second place team. I think it's Cleveland right now. Like, I, I don't even look at the standings. It doesn't even matter. The White Sox are winning the Central. Right. This is how confident I am about the White right, Sox of course. winning the Central. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think uh, Fangraphs had them at like a 99.5% chance of making the right. playoffs. Yeah, I'm not concerned about that. But lately, they have been losing a lot of games. And it's a lot of really frustrating. Uh, either uh, starting pitcher does great, gets no run support, uh, or there's just... Just a, a complete implosion by the bullpen. Uh, just, just really frustrating losses to see. So leading up to this, uh, I, I caught most of the game actually uh, uh, with, with Mikey. Actually, we, we were at a Nisa Lounge in Chicago, uh, and also too uh, Zach Hayes was there too. 
And uh, yeah, we're just watching this game. It all seems kind of d- dreary, bleak. Uh, Sebi's uh, Zavala homered. Uh, so he's been just finding some really unexpected power lately. Uh, so I think I, I tweeted some sort of joke uh, where I said, leave it to the White Sox to lose yet another game in which Sebi Zavala homered because they lost the game that he homered three times, including a grand slam. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So while my joke was really more so referring to um, uh, that that night he had, uh, a lot of people were in my mentions were like, oh, well, you should lighten up, like relax. Like this, <laughs> like, this game means nothing. And I'm like, come on, dude. Like it's, 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 it's a joke. It's a joke. Right. So honestly, like I, I'm preparing myself to take in this loss. Right. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, well, it's a loss on national TV, like whatever. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, lo and behold, uh, Tim Anderson finds like the first pitch from Zach Britton, and it's just like it's just like history. And I and I just loved the entire reaction too, where he did this celebration with his hands. He's like all dancing. Oh yeah, like, like that was so very cool. That was so very cool. And I think like just seeing that uh, on national TV is going to have such a huge impact going forward. I believe there was um, a football player. I'm, I'm not a big football person, so I don't know who it was, uh, but essentially he did a similar celebration and the, uh, the caption was uh, on my Tim Anderson ish. And uh, that is so big. <laughs> yeah. That's so big. good. Cause you never really see that kind of cross sport. Right. Really, yeah. It's usually the other way around where it's MLB players like referring to NFL players or NBA players. But I honestly can't remember the last time like someone who wasn't a baseball or, or, or playing in MLB, like referencing um, an MLB player. Uh, so, so that's, yeah, huge. that's, that's amazing. I, I, yeah, they never did anything about Shroud or Otani. I mean, even Otani, maybe for a moment, I think like LeBron says something, oh, he's okay or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. But that's it. But actually like referencing back um i mean that was that was just the best game i remember actually i'm sure everyone did this so i'm not going to say like hi i called that tim anderson home run but it was very much just like this is how okay that has to happen now that this you know this is how this game is it's a field of dreams game of course it's tim anderson who i am still so jealous that that he is not a yankee because i wish i could just have him on my team um but i yeah i mean just what a fantastic game and really that as you were saying before, what you you know your first article at least what dread, uh, drove you to it, um, I couldn't agree more. Just about yeah, we need to we need to be human and really have drama in that way. Ha- showcase us not as robots, you know, and and throw away these these rules that are not written and just stifle everything. Like why do we need to do that? That's the stupidest thing ever. Instead, you have Tim Anderson just being dope. Like that's so great. That's what everyone wants. And I don't, I don't even care that the Yankees lost that game. That was so great. It was such an amazing moment. And one of the highest rated games of all time in the regular season, if not the highest, it's just what an awesome thing. And I'm happy you guys had that moment. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sad that Jason Benetti couldn't call it, but I, uh, but that's okay. He'll have more of those. I'm sure uh, later on. Um, but uh, okay. So I, I'm, I keep pulling it back to baseball. I have to, I have to go away from it. Uh, so, so you talked about kind of eventually you got to writing. So then, um, and you had the, the journalism uh, minor um, as well. So was your major in IT then? 
Uh, no, actually. Uh, my major was in English. So uh, essentially, yeah, I, I decided I, the only reason why I majored in English is mainly because like I just had my um, my head in so many, so many different pots. I don't know if that's right. even a saying. That's but a good it one is, though. I like that one. Now. It is now. Yeah. yeah. I, I just have way, way too many scattered interests and things that I, I think that that I might be like okay with doing. So I'm just like I'm just going to major in English, and you know I, I kind of sold it to my parents, being like I'm going to go to law school after this. Yeah, right. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and I think we're all happy you didn't. Oh yeah, my, myself included. I'm probably the happiest that I didn't go to law school. But essentially, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, you have to master the English language, especially if you're going to read contracts, write contracts, uh, you know, review things. Uh, so I don't know. It, it definitely sold. My, my parents were sold on it. They're like, okay, fine, yeah, you can go major in English. Yeah, but. it made you more educated and articulate, and you know, be able to wrangle the English language is an incredibly important skill in everything that you do. So it would not be wasted. Yeah. Um, And and I heard that you you got into sci-fi before. Mm -hmm. Are there certain books that you really latch onto that are just so special to you? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Probably one of the earliest books I ever read uh, was Ender's Game. Uh, That was probably... Uh, one of my first sci-fi books, uh, and then especially when I got into high school, uh, I, I pivoted uh, towards a lot of more like speculative fiction. So uh, Margaret Atwood, uh, for mm-hmm. sure. I don't, I don't know if she would consider herself a sci-fi writer, but she did a lot of speculative type, like dystopian right. fiction, like A Handmaid's Tale, Oryx and Crake, uh, a couple of... Uh, or the, the the sequels to or- Oryx and Craig as well. Uh, but, oh my goodness. Uh, I, I guess I can say that I never really got into Harry Potter. I don't know why. I, I know that, that that's probably like, you know, oh, I, I love uh, fantasy books. I, I read Harry Potter. And right. Like, oh, I don't know. Man. Yeah, that's, not, that's not what you were going for. I, I remember I, I had a, at a moment, and I, I absolutely adore sci-fi, um, where my dad had all of his... Books from like the 60s and 70s. An absolute bookworm, my, my father. Uh, so I have these old editions of uh, Larry Niven's Ringworld, for example. Oh, man. I went through. I obviously read Dune because, duh. Yeah, Dune. I mean, how could you not read Dune? Yeah. How could you um, not? And that, yeah, that's actually, they're going to do two movies with it. And apparently they're going to shift it slightly. And I cannot wait for that movie. Person. Yeah, yeah. I always see the comments on social media being like, it, it, it's always like, like to one extreme. It's it's always like, oh man, this looks absolute fire, and the other like extreme is like, oh, this looks like absolute like dog poop, and it's like, <laughs> the, 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 there's no in between. Like, ever, never, of course either, not. Like, super excited, or everyone is just like, no, no, no. Like, like, why are we still remaking movies? It's, there is no such thing as a neutral take, right? No, <laughs> can't exist, or or even like, eh, you know what? This looks like it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. What is nuance? Does it even exist anymore, Janice? No, it know. doesn't. It really doesn't. I, it's terrible. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's still Ringworld, for example. Yeah, really holds on to me. Like the the idea that you can breed a luck is such a silly and a fascinating thing at the same time. Um, uh, I've never gotten rid of that idea. But I mean, obviously not. But obviously, so it's okay. I'm going to stop talking about that. I. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's... um. I, I, I recently actually got into Sanderson. Mm. Uh, I, I imagine you've read all of, uh, of Sanderson's stuff. 
talk about Brandon Sanderson. Oh, yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I actually did read um, one of his novels uh, a few years ago. I cannot remember the name of it. Did he write um, kind of like a like a superhero type thing? There's a um, Mistborn. Uh, you might be thinking of that, that. That could be it. That could be it. Yeah. It, it was kind of like, um, oh, you know what? The book I'm thinking of, and I'm like, just, just, just like grasping at straws here. Uh, it, it's someone who was like made of steel. I don't know. Uh, well, they, they, they ingest metals and that allows them to do okay. things and manipulate. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. That's Mistborn. Yeah. It's great. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Sanderson is kind of like the, my understanding is that he's the the king of like you know the the, the fantasy novels now. I don't know. I I, I, mean, I, I want to jump in more than I am. I honestly would also like to jump in more than I am too, just mainly because like reading lately is just sort of like like pulling teeth for me. Is mainly <laughs> sure, because yeah. I'm, I'm just like writing so much, and the things that I do read, it's usually just like other people's articles, other people's right. takes. Uh, just mindlessly scrolling through social media all the time. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so different now of not only um, having less time, I think, to, to spend on specific things, but also so many different forms of content to consume that back in the day, you know, the 60s or so, a book was like, oh, yeah, you, you got your primo entertainment here. This is it. Mm-hmm. You can always just pick it up and, and and read it, and there it is. It's a book. And nowadays, you have every single book on your phone, plus all these millions of other things to do on it, um, let alone like binging a show. You have like, we would have to in 2000 have to get a DVD set, and each one of the season was like $40 or something. Oh, man. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and now it's $10 a month for every season of every show. It's just. It's so hard to uh, to say like no, I'm going to preserve this entity of sitting down and having a book. And I also would be lying to say like, I mean, as you know, as, as someone who is, has a 95 and also is contributing three different places as well and multiple forms of content inside of that, it's hard not to feel guilty almost of sitting down and spending an hour or two reading a book and tuning out. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And I think like that guilt, uh, is definitely just permeated through all, like almost any, everything where sometimes like I get to the point where I'm just stretched so thin. I'm just like, like, even if I do like literally anything that's like good for myself, like, like going on a run or like, I don't know, trying to think of another like superficial example. I don't know, like doing a face mask, uh, stuff like that. And I'm just like, wait a minute. I could be doing something different here. Like, right. like, what what could I be doing? Like, what could I be multitasking? And I think like it's it's just like uh, people our age. I'm assuming we're, we're around the same age. But, oh yeah, eighty eight, eighty six, eighty six. So, all right, uh, all right, youngin. Uh, so <laughs> essentially, uh, we, uh, yeah, people our age have been conditioned to almost just like feel guilty for not being productive. And uh, I think a lot of, uh, we, we definitely need to do a lot of unlearning when it comes to that. And right. Kind of, like, you know, it's, it's okay to take time off. Like it's okay to take an hour off to, you know, pick up a book or just chill out or like open up your meditation app or jump on your Peloton or whatever the heck, I don't know, do a well, boxing workout. I'm, uh, I don't know, but. Well, I mean, as someone as Im- ambitious as you are, clearly, uh, there's a, there's a massive culture of just, 
Uh, I mean, Shelley Verstreet had a fantastic Twitter thread about this, that you can put out the best article and, you know, great. And then the next day it's like, all right, what's now? What's next? And it's just, there's always everything needs to be bigger, bigger, better, more. And there's a, you know, there doesn't seem to be that end, right? There doesn't seem to be uh, that moment when you say, cool, I've done the thing. And now that can just sit and I don't need to continue making more things. Uh, It's not good. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's something I try and balance as much as I can. You know, it's a, it's a feeling of I'll put it in and I can feel myself getting the momentum of that direction. And then I need to, you know, I need to constantly go two steps forward, one step back along the way. Um, and it's never fun when you take the step back because then you think, am I going to be able to get the same momentum as those two steps forward again? Um, and you have to kind of trick yourself to believe, yes, don't please please just go away for one weekend. Like the world will not stop. Your career isn't over if you do that and stop looking at your phone and don't, you know, you're not involved in the conversation on Twitter for a day or two. It's fine. You know, it's, it's really, really hard to, to tell yourself that. And I think I was like looking at my day today and was thinking to myself like, Oh man, I don't have anywhere to be, nor do I have to turn anything in tonight. Right. And I'm like, whoa, a night off. Whoa, this is excellent. And I'm already thinking of all the things that I'm 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 going to do, like clean my house or, oh, yeah. or like work out or, or or something. And I'm like, no, like, like like what if I just sat on the couch and like did nothing? Like So okay so among this conversation, by the way, I remember like uh in school, I looked forward to vacation where I didn't know what day it was. That was like how I phrased relaxation. I just don't know. Whatever. I'm just, I am right now. Exactly. That's all that matters. Uh, but uh, when you when you visualize for yourself, um, I think it's really important for myself to, to for me to really say, cool, I'm doing all these things, but there is an end goal of what I actually want my day-to-day to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's so important for all of us to to visualize that. So it's not this, you know, Sisyphus pushing up the the rock constantly, and I think that's the right name. I could have completely butchered it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, uh, you're, you're right. Uh, yeah, uh, the the myth of Sisyphus is something right, I okay. reference frequently in my articles. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, so for you, what is that end goal? What is the thing? If you said, if you snap your fingers, this is what your day to day is. Oh my goodness! Say like the end goal. I think. Uh, is to survive. Uh, just <laughs> if I, if I could just like, like like get through the day without like pulling my hair out or you know hurting another person or <laughs> I know that, that sounds those are good goals. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it sounds like a very like lower lower tier goal, here, <laughs> but uh, probably like especially on days where I'm especially uh, working especially hard, uh, I want to make sure that the work I'm doing is meaningful. Like I definitely want it to be meaningful. So hence, uh, you know, the whole myth of Sisyphus tie, it's like, you know, put, put some meaning in rolling the boulder. So you mentioned in writing earlier before, I mean, like, yeah, like you you write one article and the next day, it's just sort of like baseball is so ephemeral. Like, like, like there's so so much volatility just in the sport. So, I mean, yeah, uh, one person could have like the lowest ERA in the entire league and the next day it's completely shot to hell after a bad start. Exactly. So yeah, it it definitely like what's true one day can just be completely down the toilet the next. 
So I guess, um, yeah, just making sure that everything I'm doing uh, has some sort of meaning, uh, some sort of connection to myself. I always want to make sure I'm I'm putting myself into everything I write too, Uh, just mainly because, yeah, if if I'm just kind of sitting back and rattling off facts and figures and there's like absolutely no context or meaning behind it, it's just sort of like, what the hell am I doing? Right. It's it's about your expression, your voice. Mm-hmm. It's about inserting, uh, I don't know, the the essence of, of the person. That is what good writing is. Absolutely. Uh, I couldn't agree more about this with you. So uh, I guess what I'm asking more is, I mean, you have you have this nine to five now, which I, I know nothing really about the, this career that you're on. It could be something that you enjoy, you like. I mean, you're able to to take a lunch break and do this, which is cool. Um, is, uh, is the, you know, the goal moving forward to kind of stick with that and really do that and maybe every so often be a part of some community to, to write is the goal to then actually be like, no, no, I want to be a writer. I want to do podcasts. I want to do video stuff. I am curious where you or where you lie there. That's a good question. Uh, so, uh, basically I, I took most of the summer off. And so when I say off, off. I really mean I didn't. I didn't have a nine to five, uh, so uh, I've I've been working in the tech industry for most of my my working adult life. Uh, so before this, I was working uh, tech support for a software company uh, here in Chicago. Uh, it was pretty soul crushing. Uh, so not to get too much into that, but uh, it was while I was working that job, I was like incredibly depressed. Uh, it was also the dead of winter too. Um, uh, just a seasonal depression mounted on top of like like career depression. Oh, that's horrible. Like, I'm so this, sorry. Like, all, yeah, all, all of this other uh, external anxiety was just building on me. And so I was just talking, talking it over with my therapist at the time. And she's like, it sounds like you got to quit. Um, and, she, and she's like, well, why haven't you quit yet? And I'm like, 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 well, I'm afraid. And she's like, afraid of what? And I'm like, I don't think I've ever been financially stable to the point where I can just drop a job willy nilly right, uh, yeah. and not even have anything lined up anytime soon. And so I was already, you know, um, tallying my my marks and dotting my I's and crossing my T's and, you know, figuring out, hey, like, uh, this is getting to the point where, like, because I was working from home, I was like, I, I am literally dreading waking up every morning in my own home, in my own home. Yeah. And so I was like, this has to stop. Uh, so I, I was working um, part time uh, for NBC as well at the time. And so I figured like, oh, well, you know, I can freelance there, maybe contribute to some other places in the meantime. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, other than that, it's like, I don't think this is going to be a super long-term sustainable strategy uh, unless I get a full-time job writing. But, um, I think the big thing is that a lot of full-time jobs in the industry like are scarce. Uh, and, uh, on top of that, they really don't pay well. So, uh, essentially what I'm doing now is I am squeaking by on both, uh, so I, I do like what I'm doing. Like I, I genuinely love and enjoy tech. Uh, I, I think uh, just in, in this role and that, that I'm in in particular right now, uh, the people I work with are great. I'm learning so much. Uh, uh, but at the same time too, uh, I, I, I still want to write. I'm still doing that on the side. So uh, trying to find the balance between like not going super crazy. So managing my deadlines and like finding time for myself and also to like finding time to devote myself to uh, my nine to five. Uh, that's been admittedly difficult, but uh, 
I, I, I am in a much better place now than I was like back in April when I was like waking up in bed and being like, oh my God, not this again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, obviously, you know, I'm really happy that, you know, it must've been a really tough decision for you to, to, to you know, to, to shift in that way. And uh, we're all really happy that, you know, you're doing what you're doing right now and, and you have your voice in many different places too. So that, that's, you know, it's fantastic to hear. Um, I do want to say really quickly, is it possible to mute Slack? Because it's, it's coming through a couple of yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that right now. I didn't put <laughs> my do not disturb on. All right, there you go. It's and all that, good. Um, no, no one really needs me right now. It, it's, it's just stuff in the channel that I'm getting notified on. So I mean, I understand, you know, it, it is, it, you, are, you are Janice, so I, I get it. Um, but uh so I, I did want to ask something and I, I felt like you would have a good answer for this. I've asked, I think every single person that's come on this. Um, do you have a mantra for yourself? You know, I remember when I was 19 in college, I had, I sat down one day, it's like, I'm going to figure out what my mantras are. And they've kind of stuck with me a little bit. I'm, I'm curious if you ever maybe had that conversation or if you haven't before, just what you would describe as one of your mantras. Uh, that's a great question. Cause I don't think I've ever really thought about this before. Uh, I probably the closest thing I have are like my hype up songs. Right? So <laughs> Your hype like, up songs? Yeah, yeah. I have a just a playlist of like music that I listen to just to like get myself in a you know let's go kick oh, some that's great. type of mood. Um, I don't know if I necessarily have a mantra. Uh, that that uh, probably the closest thing to that is um, usually when I'm running. Uh, a, f- a friend of mine uh, has this word that she just kind of chants to, you know, get herself hyped up and, you know, uh, like push her through, especially difficult long runs. And so her word uh, is dig. So it's just dig, 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 like just over and over and over again. Right. And, I, and I'm like, that's cool. Um, but that doesn't necessarily like resonate with me. Um I don't know, just like the uh, the visualization of labor when I'm doing like labor at the same time. That, that doesn't necessarily <laughs> That's just double labor then. Exactly, exactly. And then why would I do that to myself? So uh, that's, that's probably... a great point, yeah. I'd probably say my mantra is probably uh, just just uh, the melody to uh, Levels by Avicii. Uh, that, that is probably the, the what plays in my head when I'm trying to, you know, get myself through something. <laughs> gotcha. I, so for me, it's uh, it's SP Roundup. Every time I do the SP Roundup, to the point that the developers added it inside the post when I when I click Add New and SP Roundup, it plays Toto on repeat. Africa. <laughs> I, I'm not even joking. It just goes the entire way through. There's a play and a stop inside of the article. It 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 just makes me so happy, and it's like it's just a vibe that I need, right? Uh, so I, I, I know I'm going to completely lame myself here by saying I don't know that song by Avicii, uh, but I'm sure it's the same way for you of just there's a vibe you get from it that puts you in a certain state that, you know, of calm and like, yeah, I can, I can handle this. I can do this. Right. And that's what it is for Africa. It, it, it's really definitely more of a state of, you know, let's, let's go kick some ass. Let, let, mm. let, let, let's just, you know, just rise up and just like be awesome. I, I don't know. Like calm isn't necessarily a mood I have. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean maybe, may, maybe I, I should, you know, uh, invest in, you know, try, trying to be more calm, but I don't know. It, 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 it's just something I, I don't necessarily do. 
Well, I mean, it, it's it, it can be a very positive thing in that way of when you're writing, it's not pedestrian. You know, it, it comes with that excitement, the electricity. Uh, so yeah, le- lean into that. I think I think that's a good thing. Don't don't listen to me in my my calmness and uh, <laughs> mono mood, um, as I called it when I was like fourteen. She's uh, like, no, I don't. I'm not going to get into this. I just it's the mono mood, just one mood. That's all it is. Um, now, I uh, a couple other things. I I, I did want to I want to give you the opportunity to just talk about. I think the piece that you're most proud of because you've written a lot of things. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe could have been just talking about why Tim Anderson doing what he's doing is, is fantastic. But I really wanted you to have a moment to say, Hey, if you don't know me, this is what you should read to get familiar with what I do. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'd probably say my, the, one of my favorite pieces I've ever written was actually, uh, the recap to game three of the wild card series of, of last year's playoffs. Hmm. So, uh, uh, the White Sox won game one. I think Lucas Giolito like, even had like a perfect game going into the seventh inning. Uh, it, it was just like a really fantastic locked-in game. Everyone looked really looked really good. Uh, and then they dropped uh, the next two subsequent games. Uh, so game three was just this incredibly messy, overmanaged bullpen game. And uh, just by the looks at it uh, of it itself, uh, I, I already knew that even if they happened to squeak by with this win, uh, this team definitely was not well, well equipped to push like well past into the postseason. Right. Uh, so essentially, this recap was this uh, half optimistic, half um, uh, maybe uh, say. What's the best way to put this? Uh, it, it was mostly optimistic, but it was almost kind of like a postmortem of sorts. So like, here's what went wrong, but here's what we have to look forward to in the future. Right. So uh, I brought up Luis Rivera a lot. I, I talked about him quite a bit. Uh, I talked about uh, just all of the off-season acquisitions uh, that everyone was was so excited about, like Yasmani Grandal, Dallas Keuchel, uh, the debut of Garrett Crochet, uh, the really fantastic performances uh, by the bullpen uh, just just this past season. So even though, like, yeah, it was a very disappointing game to watch, uh, there there's there was definitely a lot of good. There was definitely a lot of good to look into, and definitely lots of uh, good things to look forward to uh, in the upcoming uh, season. So uh, yeah, just the way I wrote it too, I, I was uh, very sad, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, I, I wanted to make sure that I was. Uh, certainly just portraying that sadness, but at the same time, uh, kind of uh, guiding it more so towards a, a really good optimi- uh, optimistic future uh, for uh, for this team. That sounds great. They needed you in that moment, right? You needed to say, hey, this is a, this is a tough moment. We're all going to be there together, but we have things to look forward to. We're going to be at the top of the Ale Central on August 17th. 2021 we're gonna have it locked down don't you worry about a thing um yeah i'm sure a lot of people read that and felt much better and happy that they did so that, that's a great one to do do you know the, the name of it is just recap um uh south side socks uh 
Uh, God, October 8th? I have no idea what day that would be. It was around that same time. It was actually uh, for Sports Illustrated because we were okay. we were sl- uh, slightly affiliated with them for a short period of time. I believe the article was called The Beginning of the End, something like hmm. that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, well, that's great. Everybody, you should go listen to that. But uh, The end of the beginning. The end of the beginning. Yeah, I, I called it The End of the Beginning. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, well, that makes sense because this is the first act of a, of a long tail uh, with this team. Precisely. Yeah, only the first act and what's going to be a, tr- a thrilling uh, play. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for the, uh, what is the, the fall before the climax. That's going to be an interesting moment. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, uh, Janice, I know this is your lunch break. I don't want to take any more of your time. I, I cannot thank you enough for being here. But, and before you go, remind everybody where they can find you and, and read all of your stuff. Absolutely. Uh, so you can find all of my uh, general just uh, posting on my Twitter account. That's at Scuriosa, S-C-U-R-I-I-O-S-A. Uh, you can also find me at NBC Sports Edge. Uh, so I put out two articles a week and I also do the Power Rankings uh, podcast with Drew Silva. And uh, yeah, you'll also see me pop into Southside Sox uh, time to time. Uh, and I'll also pop into baseball perspectives sometimes too, if I, if I get a little inkling to write an article. But anyway, I'm everywhere. So I'm, I'm very ubiquitous. Unavoidable. Uh, Janice, <laughs> Janice, really, thank you so much. Um, that's going to do it for this episode of Nick Pollock and Friends. My name is Nick Pollock, and that was my friend, Janice Scurio.